takes more than fingers to be a great engineer. This is episode 177 of the Soft Skills Engineering Advice Show. I'm your host, Jameson Dance. I'm your host, Dave Smith. Soft Skills Engineering is a weekly advice show where we answer all of your non-technical questions about the technical field of software development. It actually does not take fingers to be a great engineer. There's a video of a talk called Voice Driven Development, Who Needs a Keyboard by this pretty cool engineer named Emily who just programs with her voice. She wow. has her her software setup customized enough that she doesn't type it all and just, just talks to her computer and then wow. working code comes out. Wow. Which is cool. Oh, I gotta check that out. I only talk to my computer when working code doesn't come That's out. That's right. And it, <laughs> it doesn't help. <laughs> <laughs> when working code doesn't come out, you talk Perl to your computer. I, I, I do. I say <laughs> symbols. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to thank our patrons, Dave? I do. Thanks to those who are contributing at the level that gets them a shout out every week. They are Matthew Voidovich, the Agile Ventures Charity, Ted Nugent, Crash Bandicoot, Zach Grennan, This Engineer Goes Up to 11X, Luis Santos, Nick Cantar, Vinlock, Taras Haruk, Sean, Sunny Ty, Dimitri Jansen, Brittany Ellick, Florian Tatzel, Sonic the Hedgehog, Ivo Robotnik, Murray Rossau, Chris Hogan, and Stanley Tactical Radio. If you'd like to support the show, go to softskills.audio and click support us on Patreon. Thank you so much. I'm going to read our first question. This is from an anonymous listener. I started working at a big fintech company doing cutting edge work. I was given a ton of responsibility, owned a major component, built it from scratch, managed external relationships with vendors, had a team of three engineers, filed for a few patents. I was extremely successful at this role, but I was working 60 hours a week. Even though I was successful, I felt like I didn't have good work-life balance. I left and joined a well-established tech company with 600 engineers. I've been here for almost one year now, and looking back, I've only worked on menial feature work and software maintenance. Now I work 30 hours a week and have great work-life balance. I feel like I gave up a great opportunity with my old role. How do I make the most of this role? How should I tell my manager I'm not happy? Should I just look for a new job? Ooh, wow. Huh, I didn't think of any jokes for this one. (laughs) 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 There's just a hole where a funny quip would be. (laughs) <laughs> this is interesting. So from 60 hours to 30 hours. I mean, that kind of matches my mental model of fintech. I've never worked in fintech, but just finance generally has longer hours associated with it. So I assume that kind of carries over to the tech side. Yeah. And I think 60 hours from what I've heard it would actually be kind of a light week in some of these jobs. Yeah. Well, yeah. If, yeah. If, if you're going into finance, finance, not fintech, then one of the tours of duty you do is you get a job as like a junior analyst or something and just work like 100 hour weeks for two years. And then you go get an MBA. And then every job after that, you say, thank goodness I don't have to work 100 hours a week. <laughs> it's just like pain to make you <laughs> more immune to suffering or something. You're like, man, these 80-hour work weeks are sweet. Oh, this is great. I have time to sleep twice this week. <laughs> what should our listener do? Do you think Do you think they made a good choice? Ooh, now you're making me make a value judgment. <laughs> I mean... I don't know. 30-hour work week sounds pretty nice. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds great. Work-life balance. I mean, work is important, and you do a lot of it. Uh, so it's 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 nice to be fulfilled at work. But if you just work less, then then you have more time to be fulfilled outside of work. I'm thinking if you're only working 30 hours a week and you're accustomed to working 60 hours a week, I think you've got enough hours in your week to start a startup. Yeah, like a second job. Yeah. Can you push it down? To work like 15 hours a week? Yeah, like what's the what's the bottom line here? Like how far can you go? <laughs> how, yeah, uh, I feel like I gave up a great opportunity with my old role. So 
in my career, I feel like there have been ebbs and flows where sometimes it'll be a period of intense activity and learning and pressure and there's some downsides and work-life balance suffers a little bit, but I do learn a lot. And then I get burnt out or tired and I, and I relax or take a different project or get a different job or somehow change the circumstances or they are changed for me. And I'm comfortable kind of recovering for a while and, and taking things a little bit more easy. And maybe that's just a natural thing. You have kind of tours of duty where, uh, all right, why is it a thing that we always make analogies about the military? Like Dave and I have nothing to do with the military at all. Never served, never, uh, I don't know. I have an, uh, an uncle-in-law. <laughs> that's as close as I get. <laughs> Anyways, it's not like soldiers are deployed all the time, right? They rotate out and then come back. So maybe maybe you just kind of take brief spurts of intense activity and then and then chunks of relaxation. What do you do during these relaxation tours of duty to not feel like you're not doing anything useful? Like you're just wasting your time? Yeah, I mean, obvi- the, the obvious choice for me is just lots and lots of video games. Yeah, yeah, honing your hand-eye coordination. <laughs> right. Those brain training games <laughs> that they claim make you smarter, mm-hmm. increase your IQ. I feel like I gave up a great opportunity with my old role. So have you heard of something called job crafting? No. What is this? Is it like Warcraft? (laughs) Zug, zug. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's the idea that you can, without necessarily switching your employer, you can turn your job into a job you would rather do. You kind of create the job that you want to to work. Hold on. This sounds completely antithetical to the whole point of this podcast. What? Quit, oh, quit quit. Your, oh, yeah. Transform your job. That's what it is. Oh, boy, are so, we, wait, did we just pivot? <laughs> I mean, I feel like quit your job has had a good long run. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I guarantee on a, on a, an, an engineering team with 600 engineers, there are high profile projects that are very important that, that have lots of things to be done and lots of responsibility and visibility. And if you want that kind of life, I think you could probably make it happen. It sounds like it's not just happening. It's uh, people aren't kind of recognizing your ability and handing you stuff, but you can, you can change that. How do I make the most out of this role? Should I just look for a new job? No, you shouldn't. Like you should, I I don't think you should look for a new job and just assume, well, I'll just be bored here forever. Find non-boring things to do there. I just, it's just so weird. Okay. When someone says, should I quit my job? I mean, we've just so often said yes that (laughs) to hear you say so plainly, no, you shouldn't. I'm just trying to figure out who is this person I'm talking to. I mean, they've only been there a a year. Like, that's not very long and only work 30 hours a week. Uh, 600 people is also big enough that there's probably lots of ability to transfer. If it's a small team at a small startup, then you can't really, I mean, everybody's kind of working on everything, but... Yeah, I think I think you have a lot of flexibility and quitting your job is a it's a big lever to pull, I guess. Yeah. And there's lots of smaller things you can try before then. If there are other things making you miserable, maybe maybe then pull the lever. But yeah. it's just like <laughs> yeah. I don't have enough important work to do, then I, I bet someone would be happy to hear you say that and give you important work. Yeah, you know, it's true. Managers respond, in my experience, very well to the statement, I feel underutilized and like I could be contributing more. They're yeah. Like, they're like, Oh, oh wow. you know yeah they i mean they're all drowning they all have just tons of stuff that they can't get to that they would love to so uh, it does get a little trickier if you feel like your team is not going to be doing exciting important work ever 
and you want to switch teams because then you're, you're basically saying hey can i not work <laughs> on your team anymore right uh, i mean you can do that it's it's just a little harder yeah a little harder to say your team is garbage and i want a better one yeah but i think you that's why you should start by saying what you said dave good nice smart way you said that i forgot <laughs> already but just say hey i want i want to do more and see if that works. And if not, then the next step is probably looking around for other teams in the company. Yeah, yeah. Can you contribute to open source software and you don't get any more money, but you do have more work? <laughs> <laughs> if you're just looking to close that 60-hour gap, that's definitely a way to do it. Yeah, there's there's stuff to fill it with. Unpaid internships. <laughs> you could start at the, at the bottom rung of the ladder at a media company. <laughs> <laughs> Fetch coffee for people. Fe- <laughs> uh, find fulfillment in coffee fetching. Hashtag job crafting. <laughs> How do I tell my manager I'm not happy? I think you answered that already. I don't know why I'm reading this again. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't just jump right in and say, I'm not happy. I would say, find out what you need rather than making your manager play the guessing game and say, I'm not happy. Guess what it'll, what will fix it. <laughs> you know. Instead, yeah. come to them having already thought deeply about this, maybe even having conducted some experiments where you kind of gauge your satisfaction levels at your job based on the tasks you did during the day. And then tell mm-hmm. your manager, I want more of this and this and less of that. And mm-hmm. just see it. I mean, if you're very clear with your manager, that's the best way to get them to do what you want. Yeah. Although I will say that, you know, we were talking about maybe going beyond your team or finding new and exciting things that may be outside the scope of what you're working on. That can be hard. And we're talking about a company with 600 engineers. This strikes me as the size of company, especially if it's been growing, that probably has a real serious problem problem, or could have a real serious problem for letting people move around and letting more people have more influence. And I'll tell you why. What I've seen is that companies this size, especially if they're somewhat young, often have a core group of highly trusted engineers that's very hard to break into, and they're doing all the interesting stuff. And then there's this shell of hundreds of engineers who have to keep the lights on and make all the things work that these engineers built four years ago that were huge mistakes, you know? (laughs) (laughs) That somehow led to them being highly trusted. Exactly, exactly. And I've actually mentored someone who had this experience, and it it was very hard for them to break into that trusted club. And so it could be hard. And so you might find that you might actually have to leave this company if that's the case. Do you think those trusted engineers cluster on teams or are they just totally distributed? I don't know. Because if they're clustered, you can kind of move towards them. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, If they're clustered, though, it could be that they have a walled garden that's hard to get into. Whereas if they're distributed, I don't know, either way it might be hard. (laughs) Yeah, just climb the wall. It's fine. (laughs) But boy, isn't it interesting how you just can't have it both ways. So here you have, you know, you had a 60-hour job that you loved but was killing you. Now you have a 30-hour job that you hate, but you have all this free time. Like, wouldn't it be great to have a a 30-hour-a-week job that you love and then have plenty of time outside to do other cool things and have a good life? Yeah. Boy, I don't think that exists. I feel like that might have just as much to do with who you are as a person as the job itself. Maybe if I were more mature, I'd be able to be satisfied like that. But I, I, I think... For my job to be satisfying, I feel like it needs to be kind of hard and challenging. And part of that is like time. I'm not good enough at work-life balance to just say like, I've put in a very efficient 30-hour week and things are where they are and I'll, now I'll go have fun. Yeah. Well, have we answered the question? I don't know because I almost wonder if there's some more creative things here we could do. Like, for example, if you're only working 30 hours a week, what if you could work out a, a an arrangement with your manager where you're only working like four days a week? So every weekend is a three-day weekend. 
or maybe mm. maybe even three days a week. I don't know. This might not work because people expect you to be there, you know, when yeah. they, when they're there. But I wonder if it's known that <laughs> that you actually are only working thirty. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's a secret. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you could do twenty percent. This would be twenty five percent time, right? Mm-hmm. Just use the other ten hours of the forty hour work week to just think of cool stuff to do. That yeah will turn into someone else's burden to bear later That's right. on when it goes into production. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I think you have a lot of freedom and flexibility here to to try things to solve this situation. I don't know. Maybe I'm easily amused, but I feel like there's interesting stuff everywhere. So I think you can find something. Okay, have we answered the question? Yeah, I think so. Good luck. Best of luck. All right, Dave, do you want to read our next one? Yeah, this comes from an anonymous listener who says, how and when do you ask about or gauge work-life balance in a job interview? I recently got to round four of an interview and a developer told me that a person wouldn't do well at this company unless you put in a lot more than eight hours per day and the CEO rewarded those who stay late at night. This indicated a bad work-life balance to me, so I didn't proceed any further. Does it look bad to bluntly ask an interview, what's the work-life balance like? Or ask about this in round one. Do you think I am lazy? (laughs) I I don't think you're lazy. Thank goodness for that fourth round of interviews. Imagine if they only had three rounds of interviews. (laughs) (laughs) How many rounds are there in a boxing match? Is it 10 or something? Oh, man. How many more rounds would there have been in this interview? I know. Yeah. Maybe this was like like the, I don't know, the quarter way break. (laughs) Do you think that that engineer was delivering a message that the company wanted delivered? (laughs) (laughs) probably not or were they spilling the beans and thank them for telling you the truth the awful truth or were they worried you were going to take their spot (laughs) and they were trying to scare you off oh a little politics interview politics either way all of those are bad (laughs) (laughs) there's no way in which you want to be like yeah this is the place for me I do really want to know how many rounds of interviews would there be because four, good heavens, that's a lot of interviews. Four separate interviews with four people? Well, you think that's a lot? The way I read the question was round four, which could be four sets of interviews. Ah, so it's like four one day long, <laughs> Yeah. four separate on-site interview days. Maybe it's designed to filter out people who can't just take huge sacrifices from their personal life to come yeah. and interview. It, I mean, it's working, I guess. <laughs> Okay. Anyway, what do you ask then? What do you ask to discover this earlier? I think the best question you can ask is you look them squarely in the eyes across the table and say, sure, you work hard, but do you play hard? (laughs) That's true because nobody, you could even skip asking work hard because nobody just plays hard. (laughs) If they play hard, then they work hard. Right. Yeah, I like that. Maybe you could administer some skills tests or lack of sleep harms your short-term memory. (laughs) So you can subtly test them to see how their short-term memory is doing, how the reflexes are doing. You just like throw out a random four-digit number at the beginning of the interview. And (laughs) at the end, you're like, what four-digit number did I say? (laughs) And we successfully closed 4,000 921 bugs <laughs> when I led this project. I think you can examine their physical appearance. Oh, we both wrote that in our notes. <laughs> yeah. Bags under the eyes are a good sign. Yep. So, do you think it looks bad if someone just says, "Hey, what's the work-life balance here?" Oh, that's a tough call. 
No, I don't think so. I think everyone deserves to know what the what a day in the life looks like at the job. And for someone to say, how's the work-life balance? I mean, that, that's actually kind of a generic question because if someone just comes back and says, it's good. Like, yeah, <laughs> everyone, yep, yeah. Yeah, so maybe that's a good point that even just asking that is unlikely to yield a good answer. So yeah. It so, might though. In other words, I think it's a bad question, but maybe not because it makes you look bad, but because it's not necessarily- It just doesn't give you much info. Although in this case, the, the candidate asked it and got a very straightforward answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, hmm. I mean, I think the question asker hit on something there where the developer told them a person wouldn't do well at this company unless blah, 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 blah. And I think it's pretty valid to ask what what do people do here that do well? Mm. And if the answer is, oh, they just work crazy hours. They, they work very late and very early, send emails at all hours of the night, yeah. whatever. Probably don't want to just ask like, what time do you send emails, but more about how you handle after work communication. How many emails are in your inbox unread when you wake up in the morning on average? Yeah. Yeah, you can you can look for signals that will demonstrate what the work life balance is like without mm-hmm. saying, "Hey, I don't I don't want to work hard. Do I right. have to work hard <laughs> if I work here?" So, yeah. trying to find out <laughs> what they value. Uh on call if they if it's a kind of role that has on call, I think an approach to on call can reveal a lot about work-life balance because done naively on call is just like oh we'll just we'll just like grind people up and and yeah. and harm them and that's how we'll solve this problem <laughs> you, you could also go ask about core hours you could say hey does the team have any kind of core hours practices where people are expected to be here during certain times yeah that's a that's a pretty innocent question where you're just trying to work your schedule and figure out if, if yeah see if you can be flexible and yeah. come in late and leave late or early and leave early and right just stuff. to see if the work schedule meets your personal life schedule so that's one and yeah. you can say and and, it, and if they say well yeah everyone's expected to be here from 8 a.m to 7 p.m every day or mm-hmm. the or the famous samsung 996 oh boy which is yeah. 9 a.m to 9 p.m six days a week uh, yeah. if those are your quote core hours then you know that gives you a data point <laughs> yeah yeah i think asking how they handle stressful situations as well like deadlines or crunch time and seeing how anomalous that is because generally there's some amount of extended work hours in crunch or, or deadlines mm-hmm. but maybe if you see how often that happens and how different it is from the norm that can be helpful as well yeah and you could ask a question i think a good question to ask is tell me about the last time you had to do a big push to meet an aggressive deadline and some key things you're looking for is how long did it last? What kind of crazy hours did people work? Was there any heroics? And then ask how often that sort of thing happens. And I think, yeah, I don't think anyone would fault you for asking that question. Yeah. These are all good things to know anyways. And knowing all of them, you can build up a picture for yourself of what the work-life balance is. Too. Yeah. And, and it's also helpful to ask several different people some of these questions because a lot of work-life balance is personal too. Some people just like to work more. Right. Or yeah. feel like they need to. And yeah. Yeah. So you definitely want to not get one data point and then assume that that's how it is for everyone. I think if you can find out who the manager or boss would be for this role, it would be helpful to know what their schedule is like too, where they can be a signal. If they have, if they have really strong kind of norms around how they spend their time and when work is done, then that's probably a pretty good signal that that they'll respect yours as well. If they work very, very intense hours, then that means that they at least might expect you to do that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, I've had, I've had uh, managers or bosses who 
themselves work crazy hours, you know, come in on mm-hmm. weekends, work late every day, but they don't have a base expectation for others to do it. However, in one case, he was very explicit with me that he does reward people who do do it. So in other words, yeah. you don't have to do it to be successful per se, but if you do do it, you're going to get some kind of financial incentive for doing so. Sure. Have you ever worked for a company where you joined not really knowing much about the work-life balance and then you found out it was way different than you expected? No, not really. Yeah, me neither. I, I feel like none of them have been wildly out of uh, low or high. And, and I, I think just naturally I sort of... I mean, my very first job, I didn't know anything. So I didn't really know what to expect and then learned and it was fine. And then after that, I feel like I just as part of my natural interview process, I find stuff out a little bit. So work-life balance is part of the equation, but if they expect you to work more hours, you need to weigh the potential benefit of that because there are some places where you would work a lot of hours and it would be menial grunt work that doesn't get recognized or doesn't teach you anything or doesn't help you grow. It's just, it's just your life is worse. You just spend more of your life doing stuff you don't necessarily want to do or benefit from. But there are also places where um, the pace might be higher, the expectations might be higher, but you could go into that knowing that that's a trade-off that you want to make and you expect to get more out of it. So there's a couple dimensions. One is the amount of just the amount of hours you would put in, but the other dimension is how much you expect to learn and grow. And I think you should try and find out both of those, not just how hard do people work, but what, what happens because of it. Because if you only look at one of those, then you might miss out on a good opportunity that maybe you're willing to put a little bit more hours in if you feel like the benefit is there. And and that's that's a valid decision as well. Absolutely. And I mean, every individual circumstance can vary a lot. You know, some people are asking this question because they literally have constraints on their time to be available at work. Other people are yeah. asking the question because they're afraid of burnout. But like yeah. in these cases, you know, burnout doesn't necessarily flow from too many hours, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good. There point are too. other factors. So yeah, like these are, these are good things. I think before you go into an interview, you need to know what am I looking for? Yeah. And is it, is it just a constrained set of hours? Is it fulfillment? Is it, you know, high value learning? Do you think, so you said burnout doesn't necessarily correlate with the number of hours. I do feel like longer hours generally correlate with higher pressure though. Do you think that's true? Oh, for sure. People don't generally work longer hours without some kind of pressure in the environment. Well, I mean, people don't work at all without some kind of pressure. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. An addiction to food. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that they need to live. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, people don't gen- tend to work more than typical without some kind of acute reason. Maybe there's this utopia out there that is is a land full of opportunity where if you would like to, you can put in more time and learn and develop more, but it's 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 not forced. You don't have pressure to work more. There's not intense deadlines pressuring you to do that. I think I haven't seen that yet. So <laughs> maybe, maybe the trade-off feels more like longer hours, faster learning, also probably a little more pressure and stress. But that's also a thing that some people want to do. Yeah. Make, make sure you do it deliberately. It would hurt to stumble into. Right, right. Well, have we answered this question? Yeah, I think so. Good luck. Uh, let us know if there's any questions that you like to ask in an interview. You can do that by submitting a question on our website at softskills.audio and we'd love to hear how things go Mm -hmm. if you like the show you can support us on patreon go to our website and click support us on patreon (laughs) the thing i just said it's really really good ux yeah (laughs) 
do the thing it says to do. Also, share the show with people. And if you can leave us a review, that would be great. We hope we have earned five stars. If not, we will understand. If not, we'll settle for six. Yeah, we'll just, you know what we'll do is we'll take the four star reviews and and combine them all. So we'll have fewer reviews, but just merge the stars together. Cool. Just on the secret podcaster UI in yeah. the iTunes. <laughs> 24 <laughs> stars. Store. Wow. Nice merge work. <laughs> or if we want, we can have 24 one star reviews. <laughs> <laughs> you can do whatever you want with these stars. It's great. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week.